That's out. Oh, he's, he's got it. He dropped it. I don't believe it. That's unbelievable. He was throwing it up. He thought he had it. It was a little lollipop. And the man who did so well with the bat has taken his eye off the ball. And the ball has just dribbled out of his fingers. He was about to throw it up. I hate great cricket. The great cricketer is a Twitter stream. It's about playing cricket at the grade level. It's a tough, mean, dirty, dirty business being a great cricketer. A lot of cricketers, you know, that's all they know. They've mm. done it since they're 10 and they have a deep-seated fear of change. But the great cricket is all about being the most alpha version of yourself as possible at all costs and at all times. I don't bat or bowl. I just feel a gully, count the number of dot balls in a row, sledge 15 yards, make me feel better about myself. Thanks, Thanks champ. champ. Oh, no, you call me champ. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Grey Cricketer Podcast on today's show. Kane Williamson's freckled face gets past Faf Duplessis rig as the New Zealand captain takes his team back to the top of the leaderboard after a win over South Africa overnight. Owen Morgan hits more sixes against Afghanistan than you ever have in your entire life as Rashid Khan stays just under Mick Lewis for worst ever figures in an ODI. Shikha Darwin is out of the World Cup and Rishant Pant joins the Indian team. Steve Smith is having a bat in his hotel room at 7am. Cricket Australia employ an awesome foursome member to fix the bowling. Rwanda to dismiss Marley for six, so we ask who got him. South African journalist Dan Yule Gallen joins from the UK. Hashtag AskTGC involves stripping, passive aggression, face salad, and life decisions. My name is Ian Higgins, and I'm joined by Sam Perry in Melbourne. Pez, first of all, good morning to you. And uh, mate, it looks like the uh, looks like the top four is all but taken shape now. Oh, mate, I'm just increasingly blown away by your introductions. There's a lot of Max Rushton. About oh, I love that. As well from Guardian. Thanks, mate. Football Weekly, so congratulations on that. <laughs> Good morning to you Thanks. as well. Yeah, a lot's been happening in the World Cup, I guess. The, the main story for us, and we do ap- apologise for not uh, having a show out yesterday as a function of me moving house and losing a microphone. Um, interesting stuff to kick off the podcast. Yep. It was all about Owen Morgan yesterday, wasn't it? He goes 17 sixes, 148 off 71 Balls isn't Morgan meant to be one of those anchor batsmen yeah. <laughs> for England yep. as well? Uh, yeah, their batting is just something else. I think. Uh, don't forget, he was dropped at Cow Corner from Rashid, though. Oh, and wasn't he? You know, isn't that a great? It's, it's a hell of a great cricket thing to do. Just to put that little parenthesis around it. He was dropped at Cow Corner early on. Rashid had him. He was dropped. I mean, pl- don't forget that when it comes to. Describing one of the great World Cup innings, one of the great memories for the man um, mm. and for the country, uh, and hitting 17 sixes. Mm. He was dropped. Well, let, let me go one further, Pez. And of those 17 sixes, I reckon seven of them were rank half trackers. And, uh, you know, it was, an, it was a great display of execution and skill. I mean, the bloke hit 100, 150 at literally 200 ball at 200 uh, strike rate. Um, but Fuck, there were some drag downs from the bowling. I mean, Nabi and Rashid uh, both dragged him down. He, he, he pulled off the back foot, I reckon, six or seven times, rank half trackers. And, and then there was probably five or six others which were half follies. And, like, that's when these days – you saw, like, Aaron Finch do this um, consistently in this World Cup, but he also did it uh, against um, – yeah, uh, Yasser Shah in the UAE there, where, like, those, those wrist spinners, if they bowl – half volleys batsmen can just lean back get underneath them and with the bats and their execution and their skill and their strength it just goes for six down the ground with with a lot of boundaries being very short straight so um what i'm saying is that he was really gifted 148 of 71 balls <laughs> yeah that's, and that's um right. 
And yeah, I might I might go the other way this podcast just to see what the reaction is. But like, yeah, fuck mm. England, that's shit. Like, so what? <laughs> so what if they beat Afghanistan? You know, by 150 runs, it doesn't mean anything. It means nothing. Owen Morgan was lucky; should have been caught. Fielding was a disgrace mm. again. Don't get me started. Um, just just pathetic fielding from Afghanistan, and they they literally <laughs> dropped the World Cup when they dropped Owen Morgan. Yeah, I mean those drag downs happen because they're getting hit for six. It's a bit of a symbiotic relationship. That's I can true. Say that as a yips, uh, yes. securing leg spinner uh, at age sixteen or even earlier. Anyway, let's talk about me. Uh, yeah, well, there has been a lot of reaction here, goes hasn't there to um, to our self loathing, uh, mine in particular of our own nation. So yes. I'm sure the the fan, the listeners will enjoy hearing just. Uh, some sledging of England, absolutely mm. disgraceful. You know, gifted sixes. Mm. They blagged uh, their way to three hundred and ninety-seven. Uh, mm. You know, hitting one hundred and ninety off the last fifteen overs, whatever it was. Mm. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, Archer was sort of none for none for forty off eight overs at one point, wasn't he? Or one mm-hmm. for forty or something. I mean, so he can't bowl on flat wickets. Mm-hmm. He'll be three for fifty. Mm. Uh, don't worry about that. Um, Adil Rashid went on over six and over against Afghanistan. Mm. Not looking good for them there, and down mm. with three for sixty. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was, I, was, I did notice that as well. Some of the, some of the English buying was ultra aggressive as well. I mean, Mark Wood into that team is a real interesting addition as well. I mean, there was the amount of guys who got hit in the head uh, and nastily so as well from the Afghanistan players, like just getting absolutely rocked by Archer and particularly Wood, um, as. Uh, there's a huge noise outside this uh, this studio of mine. Um, so, I mean, England, mate, yeah, looking good. I mean, it's 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 really hard to, to take a lot away from the Afghanistan match against England because they they're expected to be beaten. They've been it by 150 runs, so job done. It's just it's just kind of eye eye catching the individual performances, particularly of Morgan, who is batting at what are you coming at five um, and just mm-hmm. hit 150 off 70 rocks. Like it's it's pretty. Um, it's, it's, it's pretty pretty impressive stuff, you have to say. Um, but overall, mate, and especially with the win overnight to New Zealand, um, the top four is done, mate. I mean, the, the, the game tomorrow, Bangladesh and Australia, that, that's, that's it. If Australia win, they'll be six points in front of Bangladesh. There's three games left for each team to play there, so you get two points for a win. So Bangladesh will have to win all three games and Australia to lose all three games, which is feasible, playing against... Well, they've got to play against South Africa, but they've got uh, England and New Zealand and South Africa to finish the tournament. So it's a tougher, tougher finish for Australia. But um, but the, the top four, mate, the top four looks like it's like it's a lock. It does look like a lock. He goes, Bangladesh are the only team remaining in the hunt, I think. I, I think that as we go to where there are some mathematical calculations otherwise, but I think the, I mean, New Zealand have prevailed over South Africa overnight in the last over, uh, I think that was the match that needed to turn on its heels a little bit mm. just to <laughs> just, just full of cliches this morning, just to set the cat amongst the pigeons, you know, mm. with the table. But um, yeah, New Zealand have prevailed and it looks like the top four is, is pretty locked. I mean, Bangladesh are playing some fantastic cricket though. You know, mm-hmm. they, they annihilated the West Indies. We haven't spoken since they beat the West Indies and, uh, uh, you know, chased 320, yeah. 41 overs. Yeah. Shakib Al-Hassan and Yeah. We might find out something about Australia tonight, as well. So, you never, you know, you never know. So, but but you're right. I, th- I think if Australia wins tonight, well, it's curtains for the top four, and I think we're we can look forward to ten reasonably meaningless games. 
coming up, possibly more. Yeah, and that is something to definitely look forward to as well. Um, the, mm, oh, the the England Afghanistan game was the first game that I haven't watched in this World Cup because um, I've 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 really bought in. I've watched every game uh, except for mm. except for the Afghanistan one. Yeah, mate. The, the the argument to have more teams in the World Cup, I understand it from a point of like it should be a World Cup, therefore more teams should be in the World Cup in the same way that we're doing a live tour, uh, a live world tour. Um, which goes to two countries. It's, it's, it's exactly the same as that, Piz. And I don't know why people want more associate nations. Well, a, a association. There are, there are 10 test-playing nations here. I don't know if this would work. Like, I understand the point that like, people want associate nations because they want to see, you know, the, like cricket expanding to all parts of the globe. And, like, I think people want cricket to succeed more than it already has. The, to me, the issue of like having an associate nation is might help them in the short term, but the longer term play, surely it, the biggest issue with world cricket is that three countries take ninety five percent of the profit. Like that is that is literally the issue, surely. Not that like you know Ireland died in this World Cup, which I'm sure would help them maybe for next year, but 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 until India, Australia, and England share the profits of the world game the the the, the game is not going to grow to a point where you can have 32 teams in a world cup i.e the fifa world cup surely yeah i think that's a fairly it's a fairly sensible point that you make when it comes to growing the game of cricket um sort of clamoring for more teams at the world cup particularly if they're not ready from a cricketing sense is right it's not long-term or sustainable but um I understand it as well because the World Cup is the time when all cricket nations are focused on the one thing and the cricketing world, however big or small it is, and we've seen some amazing numbers about that in relation to the India-Pakistan game, but the cricketing world's focus is on one thing. So that's the time, mm. like with uh, Davos, <laughs> you know, or the uh, G20 summit mm. where people try and put their agenda forward. Mm. Uh, I think you're right. I think the major it, – it, would, it strikes me that the major issue – as to why a lot of associate nations aren't um, emerging is because of that profit um, split that you mentioned. I think that that might have changed recently. I don't know. We're going to have to talk to um, someone who knows deeply about this kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. but I think the broader point's true. You know, that the top three still seem very far ahead Mm -hmm. financially in terms of their resources, et cetera. I think we'd all like to see more associate nations. Uh, We'd like to see world cricket grow. Yeah. You know, it'd be great to go to a World Cup. With sixteen teams, twenty teams, absolutely. And, uh, you know, personally speaking, I don't need them all to be vying for the World Cup, though that would be great. Uh, I can put up with a couple of lopsided matches. They still throw their own highlights forward, and I do think that they create moments, at least for some of those minnow teams, uh, as yardsticks. You know, from which they go. You know, they, they get better next time. Mm. Um, some people are starting to say that. Well, Bangladesh won two World Cup matches in the last the last time around now they've only won one they've gone backwards well I guess if you look at it mathematically sure they have but when you look at guys like Rashid Khan Mohamed Nabi and the, and the impact they're having on the world stage uh, you know they're a viable they're a viable like outfit Afghanistan to me and uh, and they can't have been like you have to be able to kind of take a risk and put them into a tournament like the World Cup to start from somewhere mm. so you know, it's a bit of a vexed one, mm. to use a Nick Curios term, mm. I think. But, uh, you know, it's not all going to be solved by dumping teams into a World Cup, I agree. Mm. Uh, but uh, it, similarly, I'd like to see more from the ICC in terms of efforts to expand 
the, the amount of viable teams mm. uh, going around. Mm. Um, well, just on the on the teams that are currently here, news broke yesterday that uh, Shikha Darwin is out of the World Cup. He's out for the rest of the World Cup. He's going to be in a cast until mid-July, I think, which is when the World Cup finally is. So he's he's out. Rishant Pant joins the Indian team, which means they've got about 15 wicketkeepers in that squad as well. I, so, so, so do England, now that I think about it. Um, this um, it's, it's interesting because Shikha Darwin, who seems to just do amazingly well in ICC tournaments. He had a fantastic Champions Trophy. He's done well in World Cups in the past. Him Losing him at the top of the order is actually quite a big loss, despite them having you know incredible talent and great depth of talent. But, but him at the top of the order, powerful player, left-handed batsman, that's actually a bit of a spanner in the works for India. Would you agree with that? No, not really, because I love Rishabh Pan. Oh, I love him. So as much as what you say is correct statistically – Technically, uh, and in terms of how it'll affect actual matches and results, uh, I'm a novelty person, mm-hmm. and so Rishabh Pant being involved gladdens my my darkening heart uh, mm-hmm. as I get older, which mm-hmm. is a separate issue altogether that I won't raise in a public forum. And um, <laughs> he makes me happy, and I think mm-hmm. I think he's a he's a really fun player to watch. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but you know, Shika, I know you live in Melbourne. Feel free to come on the show. Help us with our battering ram into India. But Pez, if Pants playing, who's going to babysit Tim Payne's kids? All right. Oh, yeah. Steve Smith OCD has just got to a new level. Uh, news, okay. news broke last week where he was um, shadow banning at 7 a.m. Ricky Ponting just walking the hallways. Didn't say why Ricky Ponting was just walking the hallways. He's now just operating as some sort of security uh, as well. <laughs> Old punner. Uh, Steve Smith just <laughs> about at 7am waking up half the hotel um, Steve might need to just relax a bit or is he just is this just a sign of how I've just fucking itching he is to play cricket again after being you know suspended for a year and that <laughs> yeah uh, yeah and we got about 15,000 notifications uh, upon like you know what the verbal trip that Smith did by saying oh I was batting in the hotel at 7am um, mm. It's a masturbation joke, you see. Yeah, I like and, it. Uh, we need to be tagged into that. Yep. <clears throat> yeah, we're having a bat in the hotel, yep. Uh, <laughs> so I just wonder how it actually manifested, like Ponting's walking down the hall. Clearly he can hear, because you can't hear someone batting when they play the stroke. No. It's more, um, no. it's probably tapping the bat on the ground, right? Well, unless he's got like a sock, like he's, he's suspended a, a, a tube sock with a ball in it from the, <laughs> yeah. from the ceiling, from the fan, the ceiling yeah. fan. And he's just yeah. he's just he's just crabbing across his hotel room and flicking it to the onside. Yeah, or just dropping a tennis ball in front of him, <laughs> or, or a cricket ball, even better. Yeah, and just driving it right off the middle into a wall. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, Steve Smith loves batting, and there was um, haha, and he did a press conference yesterday where he was asked about it, and he, he seems really quite comfortable with that like you know yeah and i, I like it yeah. you know, nothing makes me safer than knowing that my number three and number four batsman for my country mm. is essentially a batting savant mm. who is addicted to the art of it mm-hmm. that's what i need mm-hmm. we need more of this because like we know in grade cricket he goes like there's this duality where despite the fact that you invest say 24 to 30 hours per week in this sport that you actually pay to play mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you still pretend that you don't like it and that, you, and that you're too cool for it. 100%. And so, like, I like, I actually think it's a, a sign of maturity for Steve Smith. When people think there's this immaturity to him, I think it's a sign of maturity that he just owns the fact that he loves cricket. Yeah. It's really, it's really hard to get to that point. You know, like, he's on a, he's on a spiritual plane yeah. with his relationship to the game that I could only dream of attaining and many of us could dream of attaining. And I think that's why a lot of people 
kind of mocking for it mm. because they'd like to feel like him. Imagine just loving cricket as much as Steve Smith. Oh, well, you would, wouldn't you, when you when you get to bat as much as he does. Um, but like. <laughs> You know how Bearstow is a fucking rare unit? Like, you're aware of that. But Bearstow doesn't seem to, to, to own it. Like, Steve Smith has owned his quirkiness and, uh, I mean, yeah, clearly he loves it. But Bearstow is a rare unit to the point where he's headbutting blokes to say hello and not in a malicious manner. I believe he, like, rests his head against other people's heads and, like, nestles in. That was, that was like, the Bancroft thing, right? That was, that was, their heads met. Their, their, head, their heads met. Great podcast episode if you want to go through the archives. Anyway, um, Beso, I think Beso thinks he's alpha and he's not. I get that impression. Like, you know, he's out in the boundaries, boundary riding, he's sliding around, you know, Sells himself as an athlete, but I think he's—I think he's weird. I just—he's uh, got to look in his eye bear so that he's weird. And I, w- I want Johnny to own that, and then I think he will finally overcome the demons of Perth, the sins of Perth. Uh, just, just a little side note, just to bring Bearstow into the Steve Smith conversation. You, but because I suspect that Johnny Bearstow is pretty comfortable with who he is, but what you mean is you. You need him to like overcome the demons that is being accepted by a particular strand of Australian man, me, who doesn't deal with anyone being any different, like, like with any difference. Is that is that what you mean? Like you want him to be accepted by Australian men? I want him to be. I don't accepted. think anyone else in the world has a problem with him. D- okay, so is this is my problem? No, I, no, no, not just you. No, I just meant no, no. Uh, Australian grade cricketers, I'd say. Okay, Rare, you know, <laughs> okay, weird, okay. You know, why does he touch heads? Yes, okay, he scores hundreds all over the world and appears to be enjoying himself. But yeah, I uh, yeah, I mean, I was watching him feel the feel against Afghanistan the other night, and he's really engaging in the crowd and stuff. Uh, I don't, maybe maybe he's having a good time as well. I'm not sure. I'm, I, there's, there's something about Besto. I think he's just a little bit crazy. I think he's just a little bit rare. Well, we could put it to the fans as well. Okay. If you know the personality type of Johnny Best, or what his angle is, <laughs> just from a character point of view, and those who are listening to me say this, that you know what I'm talking about. Could you write into us? Everyone's writing into us now anyway. We've never had more correspondence. That's true. Just what's what's Besto's angle? Is he owning it? Is he? Um, yeah. Is he comfortable in his own skin? What do we need to understand about Besto? Is it mm. a cricket? Is it a narrow cricket issue, or is he truly a rare unit? Uh, like if you know him, let it, I mean I'm very open to this sort of stuff. Mm. Let us know. Okay, good. Um, Pez, we'll move on. Uh, what do you want to speak about? There's either, you know, Cricket Australia have employed a member of the awesome foursome to fix the bowling, or we could talk about Rwanda <laughs> dismissing Mali for six in a women's uh, T20. <laughs> <laughs> Which one of those is more oh, absurd? I do want to point out that it looks like Stoinis might be fit. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, the Aussie side. And I'm kind of, <laughs> I never thought I'd say this, but... I think I wanted to see Mitch Marsh. <laughs> <laughs> Only because absence makes the heart grow fonder. Yes. Uh, him not being in the side just has the Van Basten effect. He's just going to come back. I'm like, oh, Mitch Marsh, he can bowl. He can sort of bowl high 130s and hit long. Yeah. And I also think it's because Stoinis has, has offered very little for a long time. Yes. So why not try someone else who does the same thing? Because they can only be as <laughs> their worst performance is just going to be what Stoinis was doing anyway. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think so. Marsh's bowling is better than Stoinis anyway. Um, although Stoinis might be a bit, well, I think on Stoinis's resume, you say that he's a better death bowl than Mitch Marsh, but in those middle overs, which is where Australia's been struggling. I, I, I don't know, mate. I was looking at um, you know, New Zealand bowl last night, and I was just thinking, like, what if Hazelwood was in the squad and Pat Cummins bowled first change? Fuck, it just changes the entire dynamic of our team, of our team, because, you know, you, you and I are in charge of the Australian team. It's our team. It's our team. Um, mate, I just feel like, can can we just 
drop someone and then just bring Hazelwood in who's just, you know, fit. Because I just think, like, I don't care if he hasn't played enough ODI cricket. Like, he's still better than Berendorf and Kane Richardson. Uh, he's just better. So, like, we, yeah, but he goes it, but but what about Kul Tanal? He's a, he's a bit of a package. I've heard him describe that. <laughs> he's a package. What sort of package does Hazelwood offer? It's not much of a package. I think the package is then you get the you get the test bowling cartel back together, and they are always a cartel because they're selling drugs on the side. Can you have any sort of other cartel except for a drug cartel? Other than the maybe fight. technically you can, but it's normally associated with drugs. Yeah, yeah. Good and question. fast. Anyway, and fa- if you're a wordsmith out there, let us know. <laughs> and fast bowling cartels, and then Nathan Lyon comes in the team. So it's just a test team. I mean, just, we're talking about comforts here. We're talking about just things that we feel comfortable with. I, I don't know. I just think if like if if, if Hazel was opening the bowling, I just think Australia's just a, a much stronger team. Colton Isle might be Australia's first ever salad-based selection. It is glorious salad. It is World Eleven salad. I saw it described by Which someone he needs who wrote to shave, incidentally. Yeah, he, I've already talked about that. Yeah, I mean, Australia, Australia's got some real good salad-based selections uh, overall, must be said. And, and it must be said. Um, <laughs> how, does, how does someone get bowled out for six in a game of cricket? I mean, I've seen some low scores. I mean, we've all, we've all have some low scores. I'd actually like the people out there to write in and tell us what your lower scores are, maybe attach a scorecard. Actually, no, don't attach a scorecard. I don't I need to read the league by account in your <laughs> game. But, like, I mean, six. I mean, it's harder to get. Like, that's, that's hard. That's hard to be out for six. I chased it down. Well, it was a new ball wicket. I don't, I don't don't know, but uh, I I did say, I did, I did chuckle looking at Twitter with a couple of people uh, earnestly calling for the rewriting of records. You know, to have a couple of different classes of record because you know this this has changed some international records, right? And uh, and it got got quite funny. Got into like, what is it going to become sailing? Where it's like you know the eighteenth category of the twenty third (laughs) class, yeah. And someone like, yes, yes, it is. No, let's just have a two tier system, yeah. And then the two tier system suggestion was basically you know (laughs) good teams and shit teams, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Again, doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me, you know, around the rewriting of records. Personally speaking, I, I've, you know, my instinct is to feel sorry for Marley being bowled out for six and think that's great that they're playing. And also just, fuck, you know, maybe Rwanda just bowled well. <laughs> pitched it up, used the new ball. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. if you just pitch it up, you give yourself a chance. Yeah, <laughs> give yourself a chance, yeah. You give yourself a chance. And so, then, you know, 80% of all wickets are sort of bowled LBW caught behind. Yeah. What's in common with those balls? They're in or around the stumps. Yeah, yeah, you know, maybe they just bowled, bowled the stumps. Yeah, I mean, maybe. And then obviously they would have had they would have had the change of innings, the 10-minute change of innings, probably got the heavy roller on there, just really flattened it out, and they got it in the first over. So, um, you know, it sounded like a real coin toss match. I've got to say, though, he goes, you know, in the context of world cricket, it's great. Like, just hearing Rwanda play Marley, it's pretty good. that's cool. Let's have a vision. That's cool. You start to think about how teams would play cricket across the world if they had international teams, like or like um, really strong international teams. Like, what would a, a USA versus China mm. World Cup final look like? Mm. You know, if you think about some of the guys who play NBA in, in the USA... Mm-hmm. Like the USA would be essentially like the the Windies in the seventies and the eighties, yep. probably times ten. They'd they'd hit one hundred and seventy. Yep. Bowling, wouldn't they? And they just hit long. Mm. I don't know. I'm probably going down rude 
um, crude stereotypes here, so I'm going to back the fuck off. But, no, uh, I, I like you going though. I, yeah. I I just worried about the wickets in Beijing, and you know I have done for quite a long time. Uh, <laughs> let alone what's happening in Rwanda and Mali. I mean, I wouldn't. I mean, I'm always bowling first there. Just just to see what the wicket does. Just just having a look at it. That's true. Uh, they would struggle. Yeah, you wouldn't probably pick four quicks in Beijing. <laughs> <laughs> I always had the same thought about four square handball, you know, if you had that at the Olympics, China versus US and stuff. But anyway, that's a yeah. different issue. That's a different podcast that I'm on. Yeah, not to mention, you know, East and West Germany. Um, Pez, uh, let's, uh, let's get uh, Daniel Gallen on the line, who's going to tell us what has happened with South African cricket. And then we're going to add to, uh, some, some seriously good hashtag RCGCs. We have a new voice on the show. He goes this morning. Uh, I'm very excited to welcome Daniel Gallen, a South African sports journalist. He does a power of freelance work for EWN, for Crick Buzz, for Wisden, for Cricket Monthly. You can read him there. He's based in the UK, but proudly South African. Lives in Brixton, actually. Um, lovely part of the UK. In fact, anyone who moves over there tends to move to Brixton. We'll talk about that later. Daniel, uh, Daniel, he's in the stands at um, Edge Baston as well. Uh, welcome to the show, mate. Yeah, good to be here. Um, been looking forward to joining the uh, GCT for a while. So, yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, um, mate, we've just we've just awoken here to news that South Africa have – their loss has meant that the top four is now secure and the rest of the tournament is going to be boring. Uh, what happened <laughs> to South Africa overnight from an Australian point of view? Oh, they just they just were lost to a better team. I mean, this this uh, kind of the same old story. Couldn't score enough runs. Couldn't defend the small target, despite all the promises that that was exactly going to be the plan. That despite no matter what South Africa's batsmen were going to were going to score, the bowlers would defend it. But it turns out 241 isn't enough against Kane Williamson, who was man, he was good. Just a, just an almost perfect inning. So, yep, South Africa's out. The top four secured. We can pack it in and just kind of head to Lords now. <laughs> Mate, um, can you I mean for Australians the, the last meeting that you know we had with South Africa uh, you know all the sandpaper malarkey aside uh, we were destroyed uh, that was a side that featured A.B. de Villiers but I mean from our kind of myopic perspective South African cricket's quite good and we're scratching our heads as to um, why the performance has been the way that it has uh, for this tournament. I mean, how much of it is a function of a quite difficult draw to kick off versus just where the, the ODI side is actually at? Uh, I mean, look, starting against England and then going to Bangladesh, who were confident, and then going to India in the space of a week didn't help. Um, this isn't a very good South African side, especially when you take out A.B. de Villiers. The, the bowlers look short of leadership. And also, something just happens to the side when there's a World Cup trophy at the end of the at the end of the however many weeks the different tournaments last. I don't know. I mean, we South Africa routinely hammer New Zealand, and yet this is the first defeat in a row, the third time in a row that they've effectively knocked South Africa out. So something just happens. I don't know. You put the ICC ban on it, and, and they just fall to pieces. It's 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 been disappointing to watch, and and. You know, if I can be a bit selfish, it's a bit disappointing for me to kind of meander over the next three weeks trying to trying to find a narrative about a team that's all but knocked out. Mm-hmm. Daniel, Hashim Amla was obviously a huge uh, player and still is a huge player for this ODI side. He just went past 8,000 ODI runs. I believe he's the second fastest man to ever do that, just, just I think, one innings behind uh, Virat Kohli. He's, he's really struggled this tournament. I mean, he had 50 yesterday, but, I mean, how important uh, – you know, how important was his lack of form in uh, you know, South Africa's lack of success? 
Yeah, uh, big factor, and obviously also Quinton de Kock hasn't exactly mm. you know ignited the tournament. Um, I mean, Hash has been a strange one. He he struggled in the last year. He was also going through you know with, I'm not going to be a pop psychologist about this, but his dad is is struggling with with uh, health. I think he believes he's got cancer. So there have been some things weighing on Hash's mind. He left the side and and went and worked exclusively one on one with the batting coach. And then he came back and he scored back-to-back 50s in the warm-up games against Sri Lanka and West Indies. And obviously everyone wrote Hash's back and those wrists and the, and the foot movements and the flashing blades. And mm. then he gets scorned by Jofra Archer and kind of he regressed to the, to the, to the Hashim Amla of, of a year ago. He, he barely middled one today. He barely middled one against Afghanistan. Yeah, it's, it's, it's sad to see because, I mean, he's an absolute legend. And, you know, that, that 300 of the Oval remains South Africa's highest score in a test. It's just, yeah, it's, 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 not, it's not great viewing for South African fans to see a guy who is so revered and so well-liked go through this. Mm. Just, just having been at the ground today, Dan, can you tell us a little bit about New Zealand as well? I mean, most people are penciling them in to the top four. I mean, where do you think they sit in relation to the other teams within the top four? Uh, you know, do you think they have designs on getting to a final and even, you know, springing a surprise? Or, or do you think that that might just be a bit of a best-of-the-rest phenomenon. Uh, ooh, I mean, I, I hope they win. Uh, out, of all the, out of the four teams that are likely going to make the final, they're, they're definitely the most likable. Um, so <laughs> I, I, I'd, li- I'd like to see them do it. I mean, just, they, I mean they still rely on, on some of the, the big hitters, you know, Kane Williamson, Ross Taylor with the bat, um, with the ball, bolts. But Colin de Gronholm, the... You know the the the, the third grade cricketer who somehow managed to make an international career, but it just looks like your like your dad's best mate who turned up for a game, and he he was amazing. He bowled three overs for or ten overs for for three runs a piece, came in and bludgeoned sixty odds. So, I mean, if that if that guy's if that guy's putting in performances like that, there's no reason why New Zealand can't win it. Mm. Uh, and so what will you do, Dan, for the next three weeks to find a narrative um, out of South African cricket? I mean, this is a good chance to get right into the gossip and uh, sort of sniff around <laughs> hotels and stuff, right? Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll be hanging out in the lobby and the bar and, and trying to maybe get one of them to buy me a drink and maybe I'll buy them a drink and they can open up. I'll, I'll try and, and, and not overuse every metaphor that I have and, and try and avoid cliches, uh, which will be tough now. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm paid to be here, so I have to... I have to keep keep turning the content out, but it, it is going to be quite tough. Dan, I want to ask you, I mean, obviously there's been discussion about A.B. de Villiers and his influence over this team and his non-selection, and Faf obviously said that, uh, you, you know, Faf de Plessis basically said that it, it wasn't an issue with A.B. de Villiers not being here. Then Dale Stain obviously played in the IPL, and he was out of the entire World Cup. I mean, these, these guys, de Villiers and, and Stain, they're heroes of suffering cricket over the last decade or more. Um, you know, does their, do their personalities loom large over this team? I'm just trying to find reasons. I mean, you, you sort of look at the South African squad, and, and it's a good squad, and they're, and they're mm. on three points after six games. So I'm just trying to figure out why. I mean, do, do you think De Villiers and Stain's influence over the team has anything to do with it? De Villiers is more so. I mean, I think he walks into the side. I mean, I think he probably walks into most batting units in yeah. the world still today. Um the, the news, the way the news broke, that that AB tried to get back into the team the night before the ta- the, the night before the squad announcement, we're still we're still unsure how exactly that transpired. But what we think is that he contacted Fuff and Fuff said, "Look, I mean, it's pretty late. I'll, I'll ask the guys upstairs." And they were pretty unanimous that you know this is this this can't happen. Um, he was offered a route back 
in December, but he turned that down. He said he was happy to stay retired. I think, I think Dale's presence is probably more in terms of having an overt leader on the field, like a real senior bowler. I mean, Kassita Rabada's with Dale, with Dale Stell in the field is still South Africa's best bowler. But just having a guy who's, who's been there and done it, I think sometimes the, the, the bowlers looked a bit, you know, a bit too frantic. It looked like they needed a bit of a calmer head in that unit. So it's hard to say. I mean, before the start of the tournament, I had South Africa finishing fifth. So I, I, and maybe even six. So I didn't, I don't think this, this is a team that, you know, on paper deserves to make the final four. It's, it's mostly been the manner of the defeat. They showed fight today to give them, to give them credit. They showed fight today. They were just beaten by a better side. Hmm. Let me, uh, let me put a picture, a, a scenario together where uh, Bangladesh beat Australia uh, tomorrow uh, in, in the UK there. And then, uh, Australia then lose to New Zealand and England. And then it comes down to one game, Australia versus Africa. Australia must win to make the, the, uh, the, the top four. That is, that is essentially uh, South Africa and Australia's final. I mean, would, can South Africa now stay in the tournament to, to you know, Australia, finally knock off Australia in a World Cup game? I, I, don't know, I don't know if South Africa can stay in the tournament, but I, but I think people will celebrate back home Mm. Like they'd won the World Cup if they managed to <laughs> knock Australia out. <laughs> so there's still something to play for there. I mean, look, I, I, I would happily see South Africa lose to Sri Lanka and Pakistan if it meant that we knocked, that we beat Australia and knocked them out of the World Cup. So <laughs> there, there is still something to play for in that sense. Exactly. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised uh, if, if, if you beat us, regardless of whether they're in the yeah. top four or not, because uh, those demons uh, loom large, I think. Uh, Dan, yeah. thanks so much for joining us. We'll speak to you again soon as well, mate. Enjoy uh, hobnobbing around those hotels for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I will do. Thanks a lot, guys. Hashtag TGC Pez, favourite time of the morning, and it is very, very early in the morning, as good listeners out there know. Uh, let's get straight into it, mate. Show with no name, says hashtag AskTGC. Hi, gentlemen. Can you please explain the facial hair situation currently going on in the Australian camp? Is this some type of primal hierarchy play? Look forward to hearing your thoughts. Much love, Bales. Hmm. Mate, what is going on? Well, firstly, thanks for the question, Show with no name. Everything is a primal hierarchy play. Uh, <laughs> In cricket and in life, I think. A lot of philosophers believe that. We're all engaged in it at all times. So that is that part sorted. Yes, it's a primal hierarchy play. There's a lot of history of teams going on tours, um, growing facial hair. Mm-hmm. What's the facial hair that Show With No Name would be referring to? Well, Dave Warner. I mean, it's Warner. Who else is doing it? I don't think anyone's got a new beard. Mm. I mean, Stoin is always clean-shaven. Uh is Mitch Marsh got a thing going on? Cool Tanalo seems to have a, a lovely three-day growth. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. Great. God, he's, it's God, a, he's rugged. It's a salad by selection. He, he's, a, he's a good-looking man. Hair flowing he's, in the wind. He's, he's just farmer wants a wife, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> he is farmer wants a wife, yeah. That's good. I mean, I, Yesterday he goes, I was, I'm trying to teach my one-year-old child different parts of, like, the, the face. Oh, yeah. You know, say, oh, can you point to my nose? And mm. he's good at it. Oh, where's my nose? Yep. Where's my mouth? Mm-hmm. Yep. Where's my ears? Yep. Where's my hair? And she just looks at me and then grabs some facial hair, which I was I was really impressed with, very proud of. Anyway. That is. I mean, you've got yourself one yeah. percent of there. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I don't know Bit what we're. I mean, uh, is it a primal hierarchy play? Is David Warner's bearded primal hierarchy play? I'm not sure. I don't. <laughs> I don't know. I think 
I mean, Warner's tried to reinvent, reinvent himself so many times that he's obviously gone uh, for a, a, an aesthetic makeover this time. Is it working for him? Oh, I don't know. He's being told to bat slowly, so it's weird. It's, everything's so confusing in this in this in this new in this new David Warner mold. I don't know. I don't really like the bearded David Warner. I like. I mean, we've we've already discussed this many times in this podcast that we all like the things that we know, and we do have a deep seated fear of change. So I have I have a fear of David Warner's face changing um, to being the you know once punchable, <laughs> once once lovably punchable face to now being some sort of you know uh, uh, he's he's really grown into the man that he is now, where he scores at seventy runs per hundred balls. Okay, thanks for the question. Show with no name. Wilson Smith writes in. G'day, Wilson. At grade cricketer, hashtag AskTGC. Hey, fellas, do you ever get tired of being negative about the Aussie team? How many wins would it take for you to consider random game-saving performances an acceptable defining trait? Would you rather lose as long as we bat like England? Love the show. (laughs) (laughs) Love the passive uh, aggression on this question, Wilson. Um, I... Think he raises an interesting point. Yes, perhaps we are overly negative about the Australian team. Uh, I don't want. I don't think it's about like us wanting to having to bat like England. It's more just like Australia have the exact same resources as England and India. Yet we are clearly, and we are we are uh, Australia are currently the the world champions. Won the thing four years ago. Yet we are clearly so far behind England and India and the way they approach the game. Uh, even the selections of, of the team, it, it doesn't add up. I think that's 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 more the thing. So, I, I don't, yeah, I want Australia to win the World Cup. Of course I do. But, um, no, I don't really get tired of being negative about the Australian team because they're just so inherently funny. Like, look at the stupid shit we've done over the years to the point where, you know, we just we just cracked it. You know, they brought a bit of sap over in the field and we go, nah, I mean, that's it. I mean, enough's enough, lads. You know, that'll do. I mean, the crime in itself was so small. But like overall, it was just like, you've been carrying on like dickheads for like 30 years and we're tired. So no, not, not going to get tired of being negative about the Australian cricket team or Australian men in general, as proved by your question, by being passive aggressive. <laughs> oh, that's a, great, that's a great answer. Here goes. This is, a, this is actually a really good question. It's a really good question of our culture. Yes. Uh, and of our time. Um, full disclaimer, we actually... We've had a bit to do with Wilson. Wilson has been quite instrumental in our podcast, particularly early on. That's true. Um, And so we thank Wilson for that. Yes. And he asks the question in good spirits. Uh, So that needs to be said at the top as well. Mm. Um, You just raised some really interesting points there. He goes, so like a few months ago, we were at the Australian Cricket Awards and uh, I'm, look, I'm not happy to say this nor proud of it, but I'd. I, I got smashed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and I'm not, I'm not proud of it, but it's true. And that's context for a conversation that I had with a, a very senior member of the Australian test cricket side. Yeah. Um, who may or may not have been in a similar state. Yeah. And um, in that conversation, it was said to me, I was told this later cause I'd forgotten it, but it was said to me that, um, Maybe, you know, maybe the grade cricketers just, you know, needs to celebrate the team more. You know, I'm not sure if the analysis stuff is really um, what you guys should be doing. There should be more celebration of who we are. 
I thought, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> that is that's interesting. In- and and I, I had, didn't really have the capacity to talk <laughs> at the time other than to say, look, Joe Burns is just out here. He's putting my bat outside of my body and that's why he's going to struggle in the ashes. Um, I'm an idiot and a dickhead. But um, it's this funny thing in, like, uh, media culture of, like, uh, sell versus tell, mm. you know. Like, is it our job? To just get behind the boys, mm. you know, because there's a lot, of, there's a lot of people who do that in the media, and people like that. Mm. And to Wilson's question, um, which is essentially like, can you just get behind the boys a bit more? Mm. I just say there are so many media outlets getting behind the boys. <laughs> you know, <laughs> do we need another? Second. Grade cricketers never get behind their own boys. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Play in any grade cricket team, you want your friends to fail because it makes you feel good. So there's a character being played. Thirdly, this is the main one I want to talk about, this fucking good vibes only culture that we live in at the moment. <laughs> Don't talk to me unless you're saying something positive. You know, I'm not going to deal with anything negative. Sometimes your best friends tell you the truth. You Sometimes in your families you express love through honesty. The Australian cricket side, it's got enough people fucking, you know, I was going to say, slapping its ass, saying how good it is. You, don't, you, don't, you only have to be on social media for two minutes to, have, to be thrown 37 clips of past success. Or to hear from some guy who played in the 80s or 90s saying, look, we're just building to something good. And how good Starkey. I mean, that's all there. <laughs> I think there are fewer people out there saying, not sure if the game style is as good as the other sides. But, you know, you hear it though, don't you, he goes? Yeah. Too negative. Good vibes only culture. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, fuck him. But he makes a good point, Wilson. Um, Liz uh, Troppington, oh, yeah. he goes. Yep. Oh, sorry. I read the last one, but I'd, can I read this? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's better if I read I, this. I can't read this one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Liz Troppington, sounds like a, a real name, uh, writes in <laughs> yeah. message, hashtag AskTGC. First, we throw it web, to, to our website as well, yeah. Club. Mm. Hi, guys. Firstly... I'd just like to be transparent and admit I've never read your books, only peered over my husband's shoulder at the broadly spaced lines and large font and thought it looked like a tween novella. <laughs> I've never listened to your podcast either, except in extremely muffled form through the bathroom door as my husband runs a bath and lays back and chuckles for 45 minutes. <laughs> Despite this, I feel compelled to contact you as your world tour will bring you near my door and I think the three of you would be very useful for an upcoming event I am organising. My husband Andy tells me that the world of the niche stripper is a burgeoning one. He has been to several stag do's in the last year that have had women of all different appearances and persuasions disrobe, uh, fatties, geriatrics, those that dress up in rubber and leather, even those that dress in football uniforms. He suggested that for my best friend's upcoming hens do, I should hire the services of a male stripper from one of these niche fields. He then asked me if I liked the look of cricketers, as he knew a brilliant trio who, he was sure, would be willing to perform for the girls. He informed me that while two of you are truly niche with sloppy rigs and thinning hair, there is one of you who is more of a classic Adonis type, the perfect man to perform a lap dance for the bride-to-be. 
I was wondering if you would be available to perform for us as MCs and Chippendales in Cricket Whites for my best friend Zalia's hens party on Sunday the 11th of August in London. I believe this is the day before your London shows, so hopefully we can hire your services without too much alteration to your itinerary. Kind regards, Liz. Okay, so we're so, so we've got a gig sorted. Um, <clears throat> well, yeah, I mean that. Yeah, if you're keen on a private show, um, <laughs> we can't do the eleventh because <laughs> we're booked. Because we're we're Cause stripping we're for Zalia's hens. We're definitely doing that. Can we do? Can we perform some sort of Faf Duplessis, you know, Durban towel routine? Well, I'm alarmed at how quickly you've suggested that. Uh, so you've been thinking about that for quite a while. <laughs> Got the question uh, last night. Haven't, haven't, didn't, didn't, didn't sleep a wink. Didn't sleep a wink mm. last night. Just planning. I don't know what kind of museum I'm going to walk out to. Um, I don't know, mate. I'm, I mean, I'm, it's... I'm, we're definitely doing that. <laughs> That's a life experience. We've got to do it. We're definitely doing it. Can Budgie Smuggler sponsor it? I'm sure there's all sorts of tie-ins we can do for this, but mm. I've just... We'd be absolutely mad to turn that down. That's, oh, um, we'd be we'd be just... mad to turn it down. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> we'd be absolutely mad. Do you reckon Andy's imagine, dr- do you reckon imagine. Andy's drowned himself in the bath whilst listening Mate. to this? What am I, I just us in whites at ends. Are we doing throwdowns or something? What? And you're naked? Is it? <laughs> or are we doing a whole shower scene? Where someone's sort of afraid to get nude, but then you know the the alpha gets nude or something. Well, what would be if you've got ideas of how we can actually perform at this hens do? Mm. Uh, let us know, anybody. We'd also have to we'd there, also have to explain the whole Durban thing and why that's so significant to the to the cricketing mm. sphere, cultural sphere. Mm. Um, so there'd be a PowerPoint presentation to start with. We'd have to explain Australia's behaviour for thirty years leading up to that event. Um, you know, David Warner barking at Markram. You know, the run out of AB Davidius. You know, Nathan Lyon dropping the ball. We'd have to explain all those things before we could, you know, get into full character. But, yeah, I mean, it could be a great way for me to meet someone, you know, always looking for new avenues, Pez, as you know. Uh, could be turning I up do. to Cricket Whites of the Hens in London on the 11th of August on a Sunday, no the less. The night before our first London show. That's true. Which then will give us half an hour of content. Well, and that uh, may be a good time to promote that we are available for private gigs of all sorts. <laughs> you know, we were doing bar mitzvahs, birthday parties, but now we're doing Hens parties as well. Didn't see that coming. Uh, you know, on top of corporate lunches, etc., etc. And if you do want to find out what happened on Sunday the 11th at Zalia's Hens, then do please come to the live show in London, which is the following night. Unfortunately, the Tuesday show is already sold out. I say unfortunately, ironically there. Uh, tickets for all of our live shows, Pez, greatcricketer.club. And if you want to contact us for uh, corporate gigs, greatcricketer.club contact form is on the page there. See how we turn that RSTGC into a um, into a promotion? That's um, We just... um. We've we've secured some further guests as well, mm. and uh, it's really exciting. <laughs> the guests that we've got, we're gonna we we still are working out how to announce it. Yeah, but uh, yeah, stay tuned. Well, we we'll just uh, lead people on until the day. Um, good point. <laughs> Thomas Harris writes in, lads, reassure me in doing the right thing. I've recently got a job and I've worked a long time towards realising. It's in the media, which means I work Wednesdays to Sundays. I should be content. However, every time I listen to a great cricketer podcast, I contemplate giving it all up and jumping on a plane to Sydney to play in the baking sun on absolute roads in second grade, probably thirds realistically. As I write this, it sounds even more stupid than I thought. But geez, it'd be good to put the watts on again and have my leg pissed on in the shower. My question, do I need psychological help 
Why has he listened to our podcast and thought, yeah, I reckon I'd go around again? <laughs> so I don't think he's... And I want to know where he's jumping on a plane from yeah. to Sydney. So he's got a job in the media. Mm. I should be content. Mm. I should be content. Uh, jump on yeah, Wednesday to Sunday, job in the media, content. But I want to... <laughs> he listens to us and actually wants to play. I, I know. That's weird. That's um, not the... That's not what we're going for there. Yeah. But everyone, everyone reacts differently, you know. Others hear the show and think, just get behind the boys. <laughs> well, Pez, just... game-saving performances. Just, for, just, before we, uh, just before we wrap the show up, uh, Australia play against Bangladesh tonight as this goes to air um, because it is also is the same day. Uh, Pez, any, any predictions for Australia and Bangladesh? Because we are doing another show tomorrow morning, so I want to make you look foolish by guessing what's going to happen. Uh, mate, yeah, okay, fair enough. It's always the same. Like, I would like to burnish Bangladesh's uh, kind of chances mm. and in, in a way of just underlying my own snobbishness by saying they can actually play the code. Mm. Um, and then, but, but the truth is that when I turn on the TV, I'll expect nothing more than an Australian demolition. Mm. Uh, but I, it, it will be Australia's sternest test aside from India. Mm-hmm. I'll say that to you. It'll be. I, I think it, it will be the, the the toughest test over over fifty overs both sides. I mean, the West Indies could have knocked Australia off, but they only had about twenty overs of cricket in them. To be fair to them, uh, so yeah, I think it, I think Bang- Bangladesh are very confident. Mm. They've got one of the best all rounders in the world. They play a different style of cricket to Australia. They're going to ask a lot of questions. Mm. Um, but you know, who was on? It was Vish who said the other night. You know, Stark is just such a linchpin. I mean, it's, it's, he, he just he just takes so many wickets. He's just so fast and mm. tails the ball. You know, if Australia can make a decent total, I'd expect Stark and the, and Co to be able to defend it. So. All right. Well, my guess is Shakib Al Hassan scores a duck and takes no wickets. It goes for eighty five of his ten overs. Um, all right. We'll find out what happens. We'll be back tomorrow morning. See you then.